sit down to do a show and the moment I'm about to hit record something groundbreaking in the pinball news happens and I don't know if you saw but this morning on this week in pinball a full deep dive on deep root pinball was uploaded and for the first time in years we've been able to see some of the fruits of the labor of John Papaduke, Robert Mueller, Steve Bowden, yes, there are images of Raza Pinball Machine from Deep Root that are now out there in the world. All of the mystery, all of the speculation is now coming to somewhat, and that is the key word, somewhat of an end. Now, I have to say, let me just give you my quick opinions about this, the interview they did, and then I do want to air for you an interview I did with everyone's somewhat favorite guest of the show, maybe not so much, Dr. Frightener, Larry. He comes on the show and we talk about what we think or what he thinks should be included in all limited edition pinball machines that cost $9,000 or more. So I think you're gonna enjoy that chat, but let's go back to Deep Root. So the first time you see a new pinball machine, it is a special moment. Now, when I saw this machine, the first thing I said was, wow, <laughs> like wow, like this is, this is a J-pop game. And the first thing you always notice on a J-pop game are the ramps that he puts in his games because they go up, down, left, right, swirl around. He always finds a way to make what I think are the coolest ramps in pinball. And whenever I see a J-pop ramp design, I'm always like, well, how, like, how is the ball going to go around and up and down? And does it have enough velocity to make that shot? Uh, but it is really really a neat game. I mean, you have to read the interview. You have to see the pictures. There's magnets. Uh, I think there's a couple magnets in the out lane. There's magnets that divert. It seems like there's a ball lock underneath. There's a Ferris wheel. There's a bash toy. There's a like a, a, a jump shot, goes up the ramp, jumps up a ramp and hits a target. I think it's like a comet ramp shot. That's a jump shot. There's a lot of toys in this game. A lot of toys. And you know me. I'm, I'm a toy fanatic. But it also looks like a game that has a lot of flow that uh, is going to be fast. Uh, but what I love about the interview, and when you read it, and this is what I've been always saying about pinball, is they talk a lot about you have to make a game immediately fun for people but also deep enough where there's stuff to do in the game. But when you hop on a pinball machine, and that steel ball is going around the play field, you want it to interact with stuff physically. And the reason why I love this game is, is, is here's why I'm just really excited right now, because as I look down at that play field, I see a world of toys and fun shots and fun things going on. And I don't even care, here's the thing, I don't even care what is on the screen. And yet, we know what will be on the screen 
will be the best animations we've ever seen in pinball. And if you've seen the Raza video, you know these guys are taking animation to a new level over at Deep Root. And finally, we have it. Now, some other things that we have to mention about this, uh, this news item. Uh, the cabinet is a standard cabinet. This is not the prototype cabinet that Jeff from This Week in Pinball saw when he visited Deep Root. Here's, 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 here's the truth. Here's the truth. I'm just going to share this with you. If you see this and you're impressed by what you see, and I am impressed by what I see with this game because it just it, it looks like a pinball game. I'm just so excited to see it not try and do something completely crazy. But I know for a fact, I know for a fact that this Raza that you are looking at right now is not even close to the final product that they are going to put out. They are sandbagging us, okay? Now, what's crazy, and now this all makes sense when Robert said, hey, the thing we're going to bring to Houston is going to be good enough to go in a box and get to customers. If any other manufacturer released this game, it would be good enough to go. But it's not good enough for us. And the level they're going to take it to is higher than this. So that's also what has me excited to know that this is the sandbagged version of this game. And the final version of it will be even way, way more uh, aesthetically pleasing and have much more finesse and details and, and, and just like polish than this version of the game. So that's damn exciting. Now, I can't wait to see people flip it. I can't wait to see what the reaction to the game is. I, it is funny that after all of the sledgehammer talk to the play field, they are going with Merco Playfields, who right now, if there's one playfield manufacturer that nobody trusts or nobody believes in, it's Merco with all of their issues. Uh, but I, 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 and Robert said, this is not what we're going with with final production. Uh, it's just what they ordered in time for the show. Now, when is this stuff coming out? When is Deep Root Pinball actually going to have products for sale? So the timeline now has shifted. He's saying earliest that they will ship games is April 2020. The latest, the latest, which would be the worst case scenario, would be June 30th, which is now the, the new legal date by which all Zidware customers have to get their Raza uh, shipped to them. So he also has a date by which Deep Root Pinball will reveal itself fully to the entire world, and it won't happen at a show. It'll happen at Deep Root Auditorium on March 25th, I believe, or 22nd. I've, it's, it's like it's right before TPF. Let me, let me just make sure I get this date right for you guys. Hold on. Because, I, because what, what I was reading when he said it is that he's going to have an event in which media are invited. Now, look, he, Robert's smart. He's going to invite real media, not just pinball media, to see this new pinball company. Uh, but I want to make sure I get the date right for you guys. Hold on. March 25th. I was right. 2020 at 8.55 a.m. No sooner and no later than 8.55. Robert, I'll be there at 8.54, buddy, with a, with a cup of coffee in hand because I can't wait to see what's going on. Now, will, the, will, will there be multiple titles? Uh, he doesn't know. Raza is for sure. There might be some other titles. Now, there was also a long interview with John Papaduke. 
And I would read that if I were you. It's always interesting to hear the mind of the crazy man known as J-Pop. Um, I still wish he would, you know, just apologize for once, right? Just say, I'm sorry how things went down. He just he just needs to say those two words together. I'm sorry. I, I just, <laughs> and, and then we'll put it behind us. Because it, it does seem like if you got burned by J-Pop, that, that there is something beneficial coming your way and it's real and it looks like it works and i'm excited to see this thing come to fruition i i like the rhetoric from them now here's the thing all the boasting all the bragging all the hyperbole you know i thought that was stupid i don't think they needed it let your game do the talking this game looks like it's going to do the talking and when you hear them talk about value and giving customers what they pay for and putting stuff in pinball machines that are magical and and, and, and and sort of like awaken our imagination. I mean, I love hearing Steve Bowden in his interview talk about the rule set of this game, how you're spending time in the adventure land. And you can either spend time in the adventure land and have fun with all the toys and all the, you know, the amusement park rides. But there's a mystery Tower X and you... you you might want to see what's going on up there and it opens the door to a whole nother deeper adventure within the pinball game. I mean, I just, I just like the way J-Pop thinks and approaches pinball. I don't like the way he runs a business. I don't like any of the way he, you know, he fails to finish mechanisms and, and, and misleads people and, and, and moves on from one project to the next. It seems like it, it seems like the Houston show, the reason why they're doing it, and you can hear this in Robert's interview, he wanted to pressure the team to deliver something by a date, and they definitely have something ready to go. And I think it's going to be an, an exciting weekend for those of you at Houston. I actually think Houston has something more exciting to play than anything that was at uh, Expo this year. And so for those of you down there, you have a treat coming your way. I think the lines to get on this game are going to be tremendously long. Uh, but I look forward to seeing the videos and, and what people's experiences are. And I'm actually going to have um, at least one person I know who's going down there uh, on the show and interview them about what it was like to play Raza. Now, I'm really, this is going to be fun because a listener of the show, Derek, you know Derek, he loves Jersey Jack Pinball. He loves Willy Wonka. He loves Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm really curious to see what a guy who loves Jersey Jack pins, what he feels when he jumps on a deep root pin. Does he feel this game is 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 advancing and enhancing the kind of magic we've had in pinball? Because you know, I, I would say like up to this point, Jersey Jack Pinball has been the company trying to put the most pinball magic back under the playfield, right? Without a doubt. But here we have this new company, Robert Mueller's Deep Root, and I know Robert still considers the Bally Williams games to be the best games ever, and he wants to top that. I don't think you can say that about Stern. I don't think Stern's trying to beat Bally Williams under the glass. I think Stern's trying to beat us um, or beat them with better, you know, new themes or big themes, great artwork and great coding. But I don't think uh, that Stern Pinball is mechanically pushing the envelope at all. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I, I do. I think it's Gary walking around with the investors in mind and yanking stuff out of the game. And we have proof of that. 
Now, when you look at Raza and you look at this game, and I'm not going to go over it. I always hate when podcasts try to describe stuff. Go look at it. When you look at it, you really do see a lot of mechanically fun stuff going on in the game. And I think it's going to be a blast to shoot. The cabinet artwork is not final. It is placeholder. They're sandbagging us on this art package. That There is no way the game is artistically going to look like this. Now, the other thing Robert talks about is value and how they want to they want to show the pinball world exactly what you can get for your money in a way that no one else is doing right now. He also said that the games might increase in price, hold their value, increase in price over new in box prices. So I do think they will have different tiers of the games. And I think they've they they I think they have to have looked at the pinball market and understood that you do need to make special versions of the games for collectors you have to i I, you you just do i don't want just one one version of an s-class mercedes or one version of a c-class or one version of an eight series bmw i i want there to be a base level i want there there to be a medium level and i want there to be a a collectible version that has all the bells and whistles maybe even has an extra mechanism in it maybe even has an extra mode or two i hope they've listened to all of that kind of feedback that we just want more for, for what we pay for. And if we pay more and we get that stuff, we're happy. I don't know how, you know, my whole thing is we people, how can you be happy when you pay more and you get nothing, which has been basically what's been going on recently. Now, what what's not on this game is a topper. Where's a topper? That's all we care about now. You know, we've been reduced to <laughs> discussing toppers. Um, so take a look at that game. Super awesome. Uh, I think, you know, Deep Root, uh, it's impressed me so far. I'm going to hold back. Sorry. I'm going to hold back my, you know, my school-like giddy enthusiasm or childlike enthusiasm I had for Willy Wonka. And I still, you know, look, I still love the way Wonka shoots. I'm not going to go down down that road. Um, Okay. So what else is going on? Anything else? Before I air the interview with Larry, um, I have not, I have not, um, I've not talked about the Batman 66 code update, which happened about a week and a half ago or a week ago. The reason why is simple. There's like nothing really different about it. It's more of just a bug fix uh, code update. But here's what's curious. It says SLE speech added. Now, I have an SLE. I did the code update. I've played the game for hours after the code update. I don't notice anything different. What SLE speech did they add? I wish when they did stuff like this, like we added this speech. Well, what speech? Where? How do I get to it? Am I just randomly waiting for it to play? I would love to know from Stern Pinball what SLE speech was added to the game, okay? Like what did Adam West record for you? I think he did some like holy super LE, you know? I think he did some of that stuff. I wish it would say that every time you turn the game on, it's like, wow, Batman, super limited edition. Like something like that would be really cool. All right. So what else do I want to talk about real quick before we air the interview with Larry? Um, I also saw this. Now, this is concerning to me. And, you know, I always take the arrows in the back when I talk about uh, warranty issues and how manufacturers are treating customers. Here are, here are two concerning things for me. One is Stern Pinball apparently not sending people populated playfields if the playfields they have have chipped and have been of poor quality within the warranty period or within the first few months of owning it. So I have an issue with that. But here's the real 
concerning thing that, again, I don't hear people talking about this. People sweep this under the rug. And maybe it's an isolated incident, but how Stern is handling this, I think, is very poor. A gentleman updated a game recently, a Stern pinball game. I think it might have been a Batman. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Batman or Ghostbusters, one of them. In the process of updating the code in his game, two of the node boards got fried or stopped working during the code update, okay? So the actual update itself is what caused the boards to fail. He then calls up Stern Pinball and says, I just put your new code in and it broke two of my node boards. They won't send him new node boards for free. They want him to pay money for those node boards. Now, I that is garbage response. Like how can you how can your code update break a guy's machine and then you refuse to 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 cover him under the warranty of the game? Now, I I get it. Again, it's hard because how do they know that that code update was actually the thing that triggered the node board failure? You know, it's like but you've got to take your customer's word Uh, And you got to, the customer is always right, is usually how you do customer service the right way in the world. So I think Stern Pinball needs to back these node boards. And if they fail during a code update, Stern Pinball needs to uh, stand behind the products they made. They made the node boards. They made the code update. If that breaks a guy's machine, they should be responsible. Okay. And I think everyone would agree with that. All right. Anything else going on real quick? Um, if you want to buy a Batman LE, I saw on Pinside, one just went up for sale, uh, pretty mint condition, home use, one owner, 9700 bucks for Batman LE. Now, I, I say that because that's one of the cheaper prices I've seen on a Batman LE, and there's only 240 out in the world. It has the topper. So if you are looking for a Batman LE, I would run to Pinside because I, I think that's a decent price for that game. Uh, another game that went up for sale that had a lot of debate, I want to talk about it real quick and then we'll do the interview. And I'm sorry that this is going to go over in our people, but it's simply because uh, of the deep root that we saw today. And that was an, in addition to the Larry interview that was just going to get thrown up. Uh, someone is selling a Wizard of Oz Emerald City limited edition for $11,000. Now, they want... Uh, they want $11,000 because the game has almost every single mod that you can put in that game. It's got the Red Witch mod or the Red Smoke Witch mod. It's got the, that, that special Flying Monkey mod. It's got everything. I, I'm not even going to list all the mods. Now, I guess the question I have for you out there, and let's just talk about quickly, do mods add value to a, a game when you sell it used? And I've heard other podcasts talk about this, and everyone's like, no, they don't. It's like modding a car. It's like you're never going to get your money's worth. Now, I definitely agree that normally when you mod anything, you're not going to get back dollar to dollar. It's like when people put in color DMDs, and they want exactly what the color DMD would cost. Or they put in brass plating, and they put in atomic pile mods in Batman, and they put in this and that, and new sculpts and everything. I don't think you're going to get back dollar to dollar. But, but if you have a mod in a game, like the special winged monkey that they're not making anymore, or, or, or that it's back ordered for a year, I don't know, you know, some of these mods they don't make anymore, 
then those mods, I think, become more valuable than they were even when they were new. And there are certain games out there, and Wizard of Oz is one of them. I think Batman is one of them. Uh, there are certain games out there in which some of the mods are just mandatory to, to, to making the game look as good as it, it could look. Uh, so, But here's the problem with $11,000 for a Wizard of Oz is the game right now, you can go get an Emerald City almost readily available all over the place for around $7,000, maybe even less. They just made so many of them. So that's the issue is you really are, are, are going to have a hard time charging $4,000 over what anyone can go get a Wizard of Oz for. And here's why. Because none of these mods, any of them, actually change the gameplay experience for the most part. It's still the same game. It just looks a little better. Um, so I don't think he'll sell that for $11,000. You know, I, I saw his justification was, well, uh, uh, Yellow Brick Road is 11.5, so mine's much nicer and has the flying monkey and has all this other stuff. So you'd be stupid for buying an $11,500 Yellow Brick Road edition. And he's right. The Yellow Brick Road edition is, is a sucker's buy. It's stupid. It's Jack removed stuff and charged more. And then you don't even know how limited it is. It's a sucker's buy. Everyone knows that. Like 11.5 for that. What? With a crappy topper? No. Not worth it. And he's making more. He's making more ruby reds with the monkey. He's also... Jersey Jack is, is also reselling old stock of the Emerald City Limited Edition right now. Like they're, they are putting the 2.0 light boards in Emerald City Editions and selling them through some distributors at $11,500. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, they just keep making... Wazes are like gremlins. Like, the second you get a one wet, another four pop out. Like, there's, there, there's Wizard of Oz's everywhere. The game has never felt like it's hard to get. It doesn't mean it's not a great game. It just means I think it's like one of the least collectible games out there because there's over 5,000 in existence in existence all in different trim levels okay all right anything else going on okay so larry and i talk about what we think should be in every limited edition machine now when you talk to larry it's sort of like it's sort of like if you give a kid a power wheels and you just want him to go straight and you're like just just go straight straight up the driveway and the kid gets in and just starts yanking the wheel left and right i mean keeping larry focused and on point is always extremely difficult for me, but I think I did a good job. I I, I did. I, he he tried to go on tangents every once in a while, and I, I got him back online to stay focused on his list of things he thinks should be included in every LE. All right, so you're going to hear that. I think it's good. Um, the one thing we missed, and I want to add this to the list, I think should be in all limited edition games, are cliffies or, or metal protectors in areas of wear and a shooter lane protector. I just think it is absolutely crazy that all pinball machines come out now and people have to uh, later on add these things to the game when these things could be manufactured from the factory. And I'm still shocked. If I'm Robert Mueller, one company I'm going to buy, and maybe he doesn't need to because of how they're doing their play fields, the one company someone should buy is Cliffy's. Go buy <laughs> Cliffy's. Cliffy, go buy him. Go buy his company. Go buy his pinball protector company. 
He probably wouldn't sell it because he wants to make stuff for every game. That guy's probably going to end up with like, uh, you know, $10 million retired in the Caribbean one day uh, because all of these pinball companies couldn't figure out, figure out how to make their games uh, with, with little metal protectors that kept the play field safe. I mean, it, who doesn't want a cliffy in a game? All right. All right, everyone. Here is Larry. Happy Thursday. Happy Friday. I, this might be the only show for the weekend until after we see what goes on at Houston. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Oh, and before I, I let you go, please, everybody, check out Special When Lit Pinball Podcast this week. I was interviewed by Ken and Bill. It was a lot of fun. It was so nice to have a pinball podcast out there actually extend an olive branch and talk to me. I love talking to all the pinball personalities out there. Uh, it, was, it was a good romp through what's going on in pinball. Um, Bill will be coming on the show because when you listen to their show, they had some audio issues with Bill, and it sounded like he was uh, being, you know, talking from inside a coffee can down the hallway, <laughs> which is kind of funny every time he comes in. But he's going to come on the show on Canada's Pinball Podcast, and so we, we will be able to hear him very clearly next week as well. So excited to do that. Um, so everybody, enjoy your pinball days and nights and weekends and mornings and whatever. And I'm looking at Bubba right now. He's like, Chris, just air the damn interview. Here it goes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back by what some would say unpopular demand, Dr. Frightener, Larry, who wanted to tell all of you what he thinks should go into a limited edition machine. Larry, welcome back to the show. Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? So you've heard me you've heard me complain, you know, and whine about what I think should be in these games for all this money. And I know you've been giving this some some thought. So what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we're going to go down a list of everything you think should be in a limited edition machine. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So let's let's just start. Let's just go right in. Larry, what's number 1 that should be inside every LE machine? Well, these are not in any specific order. Okay. okay. So I just have a list because I was thinking about it. And as I was looking at mostly the Stern machine, because I think they can do a lot more. Uh, and they're getting up into the 10K range. I mean, they got to put more into these games. Right. Well, let me, you know, Larry, I, I don't mean to stop you right away. I just want to ask you before you go down the list, how many games do you think? Is that on one? Is that one of your items? The number of games that they should make to consider it actually to be limited? You know, I didn't, I didn't put that uh, on the list, but clearly Stern is doing 500, which I think it's fine. Okay. So anything more do you think is too much? Well, I mean, if you're calling it a, you know, in Jersey Jack's case, they have a CE, an LE, and a standard. And then, uh, so it's a different way of saying it. But specifically, I'm mostly talking about Stern because they consider their LE their top brand. Right. Uh, and so we're not, so I think in Jersey Jack's case, they consider like a premium their LE. So we'll just say whether it's a CE or an LE. Jack's, Jack's CEs are his LEs because he makes thousands of limited editions. That's, okay, I would, I would say, and then we'll go down the list, I would say that to me the sweet spot for to be truly limited is 250. I think 500 is a lot, and that's why they pop up so often. But let's go down the list because I think you're right. These games are getting between 9,000 and 12,500, 15,000 for Elvira. What's number one thing should go, you think should go into an LE? Well, and this is something Stern doesn't do is Radcal artwork. Okay. Like, uh, like uh, Jersey Jack puts on their CEs. 
And it's a clear difference. I mean, they're so beautiful, shiny. Uh, it's amazing. So I would definitely think that for $10,000, Stern should be able to do Rad Kellar work. Okay. So let's stop at each one and discuss. So I agree with you that I think the cabinet artwork on Stern machines uh, could benefit from them doing a more Rad Cal. Now, they have something that's not called Rad Cals, but it's more like the foiled sort of metallic uh, decals that they put on Batman 66 and it's now on I think it was on Iron Maiden LE and it was on Iron Man Vault Edition and it was also on Elvira Signature Edition but they don't do it on every LE so I do agree that the LE should have a nicer glossier sort of high-end cabinet artwork so I agree with you one for one on there what's your next thing okay this really just irritates the hell out of me uh, so you have all these uh you know, like the rubbers everywhere, you know, for the bumpers and everything else. Um, why aren't, why are, why is it everything black? Okay. If it's an LE, you know, why isn't it green to go with uh, Jurassic Park or red uh, for ACDC or whatever? Why can't they use silicone uh, rubbers for all the uh, different things on, on right. the play field? Makes no sense. Because the black brings the game down. Right. So item number two is color coordinate the rubbers in the game on the LE to be more in line with the colors of the game. I I agree with you. And I think, you know, changing rubbers out is not expensive, but it is something that a lot of people do with their LEs. And I think that could be done at the factory. And that's not expensive, right? I mean, what's a rubber set cost in a game? Like maybe 10 to 30 bucks to do a full rubber uh, yeah, set? Yeah, like... And you're talking about more than you're already paying for the black. So it's not going to be much more. Right. So you're talking about pennies. And so why can't they coordinate that? Two for two. Sidearm okay. should be better and rubbers. <laughs> What's the next thing? Okay. So Chicago Gaming, right? They really blow me away with their with their sculpted uh, pieces. And, and they're getting, you know, uh, when they came out with uh, Monster Bash, it was 8,500 or whatever. Now, why can't uh, Stern do that? Uh, why can't they have sculpted toppers? When you're charging uh, $9,000, $10,000 for a game, they should have sculpted toppers. And by the way, so should Jersey Jack. If you're going to have a game cost $12,000, wouldn't you rather have a sculpted Willy Wonka and Oompa Loompas on the top? I mean, come on. Okay, so let's let's zoom out a little bit. So just getting a topper for an LE is not something that Stern does anymore or has done since Batman. Uh, so right now you pay $9,000. So Larry, you're saying every LE should at least come with a topper. Correct. Okay. And from there, if you're going to charge a, if you have one of the more expensive LEs, it should come with a sculpted topper that has some dimension to it. Unlike, let's be honest, the Wonka topper looks really cheap. So it is the yellow brick road topper. Well, I mean, you know, I think people want to see toppers like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And Ghostbusters and Batman with some dimension to it. Right. Okay. So you think that should be included standard? If you're paying $10,000, okay, and then Stern wants to flip around four months later and do a topper for $500, why isn't it included for, for $9,500? That don't make no sense. Right. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a question. How? What do you think about a scenario in which they make a topper that is exclusive to LE owners that only they can buy it, but it is in an additional fee. Would that be okay? Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with, like when you buy a car, 
you know, they have options. Okay. Uh, you know, there's no reason why you can't be able to, you know, add something to your game when you're paying 10 grand, you should be able to get everything. Right. Something I've been confused about is the delay between topper availability and the game availability. I mean, they, they should be ready to go together. I agree. And look at Star Wars two years later, two and a half years later, still no topper. All right. So I would argue that topper, a, a, a topper is a main revenue stream for a company to sell in addition. But I do think I agree with you. Once you're spending nine to ten, I think it should be included in the price be, because we're seeing uh, the difference between a premium and an LE be sometimes between twenty five hundred, three thousand dollars. So they could, you know. Oftentimes, we don't see where that value goes other than the limited number. That seems to be where the majority of it goes. All right. What, so I agree. So toppers, yes. I think every LE should have a topper. What, what's next? I, don't, I think that if you're paying nine dollars to $10,000, know, everything should be wire form and it should be powder coated. Okay. So powder coated on the armor and the wire form? Correct. So no- $10,000, look, you're already powder coating a chrome. You could easily just powder coat it blue, red, whatever. It's not really going to cost any more money. And if you're paying 10000 you should get metal wire forms, not plastic that can break and crack. Right. So you don't like plastic ramps? Not, not if you're paying $10,000. Right. Okay. So powder coated wire forms and powder coated armor. Now, right now, the LEs do come with a, a powder coat. Okay. So the... the the main area of the game that people would well, love. Well, I have to... a Jurassic Park LE, and it is not powder coated. It's chrome. The 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 habit trails are chrome, right? Nothing's powder coated. No, the, no, the the armor is green. No, the armor is. I'm talking about the uh, wire forms. Right. So the wire the forms are not. So Correct. you want to see those now? What color would you powder coat them in Jurassic Park? Um, you know, I don't, as you know, some people would say powder coated the same color as the armor, but you know, like with my say creature in black lagoon, I powder coated everything like a, uh, like kind of like a, a, a light purple. And then everything on the outside was a uh, lime green. So I just think, it, you know, it's case to case basis, but easily it could have been green. Right. What about the coin door? That seems to be the one area of a game that nobody powder coats from the factory, other than we just saw recently that Chicago Gaming Company is going to powder coat the coin door to match the armor on Medieval Madness Royal Edition. But would you like to see that also powder coated? Well, you know, uh, my next uh, thing that was ha- I have on here is if you're buying a collector type game, it's probably never going to get routed. So I think you should have the option of eliminating the coin door altogether. And so that that uh, opening door could have some sort of uh, artwork on it, opposed to having a, a coin mechanism. Right. See, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I'll tell you why. If you do that, then you have then you get into the nightmare situation of where these manufacturers have to now special order cabinets and and i do see it, operators put le's on location so then you now have to take multiple orders with mul- you know and you have to it gets too hard it's much easier well, and i think the aesthetics of a pinball machine i do i think it looks better with a coin door i've never seen it look better without one 
Yeah, I'm not saying not to have a door. I'm just saying instead of coin mix, you could have just a door that has artwork on it. I see what you're saying. Okay, but so you could blend into the cabinet. There, but there's just something about seeing the 25 cent coin slot that just signifies that this is you know a a pinball machine that even though you know that is for use out in the world in arcades it's sort of like that's the arcade symbol of a machine yeah but if you wanted it that way it would actually be cheaper for like stern not to have all those coin and a lot of times you know those things get caught up on stuff inside i'd rather i was buying an le that i was going to keep i'd rather have just a coin door with nothing on it and then have sticker art on it that blends into the cabinet it would look more detailed okay all right, what is next on your list, Larry? Okay, external volume headphone jack. Okay, like all JJPs come with, all the way back to Wizard of Oz. There's no reason why uh, Stern can't put this on any machine, especially in LE. Right. So an external headphone jack. What a, the other part? With volume control. With oh. volume control. Okay, so I agree with that. Here's what's interesting. I've got one on my Batman. Some Sterns have them. Jersey Jacks have them, but here's what none of them have, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. None of them have the ability to change the volume of the game from outside the game. You have to open up the coin door and then adjust the volume that way. I wish you could adjust the volume with a plus and minus button, maybe under the cabinet somewhere, but I really wish that was put into all modern pinball. Well, it should be on all games, and there's no reason why it can't be on uh, a Stern LE for $10,000. Okay. I agree. External headphone jack. I think everyone would agree that that is just something that should be probably added to all pinball machines, not just the LEs. Okay. What else is, What else you got? This one really bothers me. So, like, on Jurassic Park, right, the whole game's green, and the flippers are yellow. <laughs> they look hideous. Right. And then they have black rubber on it. It don't match the game whatsoever. You know, there's this website called uh, Pinball Decals, and they sell chrome flippers, chrome uh, buttons. Why is the if the game is green? Why on an LE can't you have green flippers instead of yellow? And yellow buttons stand out like a sore thumb on you know it doesn't belong. Right. You follow what I'm saying? And it don't make no sense. This goes back to what you said about color coding. Yep. I, I again, will agree that when you get to the LE range, I do think the rubbers should be uh, color-coordinated with the game, color palette, and I do think the flippers, yes, I do agree. No one likes just the standard yellow flippers. All right, so we agree on that as well, and that's an easy change for them to do. What's next? Side blade art, and I know that they are putting it on now, but like it kind of bothers me, and you know, of course I love your, uh, JJP, but for $9,500, it should have side blade art or at least mirror blades, and that should be a standard on any game that's over $9,000. I'm sorry. Any game made for over that price should have side blade art on it. So almost, I, I, I'm pretty sure that every single LE currently comes with side blade art. Every Stern does. Yes, it is now, but what I'm saying is, like, say, for example, on Willy Wonka, it does not, and it's $9,500. What I'm saying is any game from any manufacturer right. in that 9000 range should either have mirror blades, like Monster Bash, right? It comes with mirrors. Uh, it should either have mirror blades or side blade art or something. For $9,500, you should be able to get that. Right. 
You know, it's interesting you say that because in Jack's world, the collector's edition, those are the that's considered his top of the line. So he does put it in that, but he does not put the side art or the the inner side blade art in the LE. So you'd want to see that for ninety five hundred. Anything over nine thousand should include something. Yeah. Okay, I agree, and that and that again, that's not expensive. Also, the other part about inner side blade art it's so much easier if it's installed at the factory before the whole play field and everything is put in on some of these games it is a pain in the ass because of how tight that fit is uh, to install those things aftermarket so i really wish they would just put them in uh, from the factory all right i agree with that that makes the game look better what's next on your list okay so this one's an interesting one that uh i hope you like Okay, so like when you look at Stearns uh, and even really Jersey Jacks, all the heads are exactly identical. And you know, one of the things I really liked about Houdini is how they mixed it up and they made it uh, look different. And it had a kind of like a, like a, you know, it was kind of like it came out and it swirled in and then back out. And so I think like on an LE, just imagine like a Jurassic Park head, right? And it had like a chunk bitten out of the side, okay? <laughs> right, you know, where a T-Rex took a bite and then you incorporate that into the artwork. But I don't understand why they can't change the look of the head design the way that uh, American Pinball did. Because I have to give American Pinball a lot of credit. I really do like their how uh, they changed that part of it up. Yeah, but they didn't change it because they were making an LE. They just wanted to look different than the competitors. So it was just more about they wanted a design aesthetic. I would I would argue that to me that's just a headache. I, I think you're adding a whole nother layer of manufacturing and I get it. It's it, you know, it's like when that guy made that Indiana Jones that looks like the Disney version where he kind of, you know, made the legs look like bamboo and, and it looked like it came out of like an arc and whatnot. I I actually think Stern Sterns look great lined up next to each other as do Jersey Jack games because there's like a there's a beauty in symmetry when you line up games that all have the same back box. So I would disagree there. I don't think that's necessary. I wouldn't expect to see that in an LE um, for the money. I just think that would be a headache for manufacturers. So what what else is on your list? Okay, like bolts that hold the legs on. Mm. So like, let's say, for example, on Jurassic Park, you you powder coat the legs green, but then you have chrome bolts. Why can't the bolts be powder coated along with the legs? I I agree with that one. I, I, I've never understood that. It, it's sort of like lug nuts in a car. You know, normally the lug nuts look better when they match the color of the wheel. Again, I think that's just a cost-cutting measure for them, and it can't be that expensive to get lug nuts to match the powder coating of the armor. So I would agree that that is something that I would like to see changed in pinball for these prices. Next one. Okay, so this one's fairly interesting because one of the best, I think Chicago Gaming really, I mean, I'd love to start seeing them make games that aren't remakes. But they really take their time with these uh, collector, you know, LE types. And when you look at Monster Bash, it has that beautiful like plaque on the lock bar. I don't understand why you don't get that on all LEs. And I'll give you an example. On Monsters, they had some sort of, I and mean, it's cheesy looking. It's nothing on the level of Chicago gaming. But it has something there, right? But then on Jurassic Park, it does not. So there's no like consistency here, and I think that they should have something that decorates the lock, the the bo- the button on the lock bar. 
Right. I think it looks really good when there's an ornament that surrounds a a that when there's a button on the lockdown bar. I don't I got to be honest, I don't think that big ornament that's on the bar on Monster Bash. I I just think that looks kind of cheesy to be honest, but I do like it. Like the boom button on Deadpool, you know, when people make a nice sort of decoration to go around it or like on on, uh, on Pirates of the Caribbean or Willy Wonka. I don't, does Wonka have it? I think – I don't think it does. No, it doesn't. Um, on, on Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, people put the gold around it, the barnacles. I think that looks good. But I, I like a nice clean lockdown bar unless there's a reason to draw my attention there. I don't want them just sticking stuff on it. Yeah, so um, I like it on Monster Bash, and I I think it looks nice to have some kind of wrap around around the button and something to make it stand out. Like, hey, this really is a collector there item. Is, but there is no button in Monster Bash. It's just no, no, no. I know, I know. I'm not on Monster Bash, but what I'm saying is, like on Monsters, they did something, but on uh, Jurassic Park, for yeah, yeah, yeah. example, they didn't. Yeah, okay? yeah. No, it's 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 hit or miss with Stern in terms of how much they pay attention to that that area of the game. Um, but I always think if there is a button there, they could do a lot to sort of dress up that area for the LEs. And I agree. So, all right, what's next on your list, Larry? Well, yeah. I don't mean to take a shot at Gary Stern, but every time I buy an LE, I get an autograph of him, you know, and uh, I don't know why. Okay, <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. Like, I know you would love Karate Kid pinball game. Ralph Macchio would sign 500 uh, cards or whatever that you could put into an LE for very little. Okay. Um, the people who were in Willy Wonka, the people who are physically in the movie that are still alive, they all would have signed it for virtually nothing. I don't want Gary Stern's autograph. Adam West, okay, he would have, you literally could have sent him uh, 500 tops cards. He just signed them all for one fee. And I'd rather see when you're pay- paying $10,000. He did. He, wait, Larry, he did. You know that he did. Like Stern got yeah, 500 cards. For, yeah. Yeah, I know. And then he held them out until, and then he's going to sell them later. Yep. But the reality is, I bought an Adam West card and put it in mine. So I paid a lot of money for my game, but I didn't get an autograph. But what I'm saying is, like, you take like Willy Wonka, I don't want. Um, no offense, but game designers, autographs, and so on and so forth. I'd rather have like the people that were in the movie to sign it. And most of the cases you're doing movies based on with characters that, you know, no, they only make money by signing autographs. Okay. So they're very easy to obtain and there's no reason not to get them. Let me ask you a question. What do you think of the signature plate on Willy Wonka collector's edition? Well, it looks like a piece of metal, just, um, you know, I don't like it. I think they should have 3D printed something to go around it. And I'm sure somebody like uh, um, the mod couple will make something to improve it. But then again, it might cut off some of the autographs. Um, but I, I, I'm 100% confident that my couple will come out with something to fix it. I don't know but if you can I, fix that. What What do you th- – well, okay, let me ask you another question. Where do you think – forget who's signing the game. Where do you think the signature should go on a pinball machine that looks the best? Well, probably when you when you buy a collector's edition, and this is a, another topic, is these uh, pinball like rule cards or how much the game costs to play. I think when somebody's paying ten thousand dollars, they're not playing on routing the game. So obviously, right there, you know, uh, to replace like the 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 price fifty cents or one dollar, it should go right there. 
Right. Well, they did that with the Kiss signature edition. Like they they made a car, but people complained when that was the case. I actually really do like Stern's new approach, uh, where they have a designated area on the apron for game designer, coder, artists, whatnot, and it looks really clean. And that was actually designed by Franchi. But I think that to me, I like because it's a permanent part of the game. It's signed on the apron. When, when you sign a card, it just starts to feel cheap. And I think Jack sort of struggled where to put all those signatures on the Wonka Collector's Edition. Um, and it just, yeah, I just think it, it was poorly executed. All right. So, but I, I think we both agree, though. Those yellow, those yellow, like, cards that go on the left of the apron that tell you, like, how many quarters per player, like, $1 per player, those have to be the ugliest rule, like, and the rule set cards, right? Those ugly yellow rule set cards. Why can't they make beautiful artistic rule set cards for the games? Especially when it's an LE. Right. Yeah, uh, we agree. The, the, the next thing I have on my list is if you do clear ramps and things like this, then they should at least have uh, decals in them. And I shouldn't have to go and buy them for uh, a really expensive game like Jurassic Park. And then I buy a decal of T-Rex footprints. Okay. Why didn't Stern provide that? Right. Well, I guess the thing with ramps is that not all of them look good with a decal. And, and the decal should somehow be symbolic of the the area of the play field. So sometimes you might have a ramp that's supposed to be like steps and then you put steps there and it, it makes sense. The other part with decals on ramps sometimes is it blocks the view of what's behind that ramp. Because I, I think sometimes people for, you know, Ramps are clear, and, and, and the, the habit trails, you can see past. Sometimes there's action behind those ramps you want to see, and, and the decal could block it. Um, I, I don't really care about that so much, Larry, because I just think decals, eh, you know. I, I'd it, improves rather... theming. it improves the theming. Nobody yeah. wants a $10,000 game. You don't want plastic anyway, okay? So if you were going to put it in there, then you should have some sort of decal that dresses it up. Right. Okay. All right. Not a big one for me. Not not a deal breaker for me, but what else you got? Uh, well, a camera like JJP. I don't even understand why Stern hasn't already incorporated that. But like when you're putting up your high score, that's really cool that it takes a picture or that it incorporates you into the game somehow. And if Stern doesn't want to put it on their pros, that's fine. Okay, but why can't you have it on the LEs? Right. I think that might be coming. I, I think we're going to see cameras and I think we're going to see internet connectivity. And I think Stern is going to make it so it's easy to stream a game from your game. So that's a good question. You know, Jack's got the camera now, Larry, but he doesn't really let you do much with it other than it's part of the gameplay. Would you like to see cameras have the ability to help you stream your pinball experience? Well, I've, actually said this uh at one point on Pinside that i'd really like to see like you know xbox live but pinball live you know right. where you could play people and your games would connect and they can see you and you can see them and um but you can't do any of that if you don't have wi-fi connection right. so it's totally out of the question All right, but i so think it would uh would really help and that's actually my next thing is right. wi-fi connection okay so wi-fi connection and pinball uh, should be standard on all nine thousand plus dollar games. And I already touched on this one, but I just—it's another point that I want to make. I think going forward, Chicago Gaming has set the new standard 
toppers should be sculpted. There should be no more toppers that aren't sculpted or aren't animated like the Black Knight topper. Because um, it's not, you know, it's still a, a physical moving object, okay? And even with the monsters, you know, it does have like a, a mechanical mechanism to it that, you know, brings it to another level. And so I think going forward, though, all toppers should be sculpted. And when you're paying 10000 you should get that. Let me play devil's advocate because I do agree that Chicago Gaming delivers a beautiful package, but they also have the advantage of having almost no R&D time or cost required for these games because they're remaking games that were R&D 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So all the money that Stern has to put in into creating a new experience, they don't have to pay for. Now, I know there's a little cost in sort of you know upscaling to the new screen and LCD, but they can they can put that additional money into sculpts and toppers and armor. And so do you think that Chicago gaming company someone has an advantage because they're just remaking games? Yeah, I mean, uh, they might have somewhat of advantage, but you know here, put it this way. you I know I heard one one of your podcasts where you complained about Jersey Jack not having like a shop or a store, okay? Um, and I agree with you because can you imagine? People love the Hobbit movies. They love Wizard of Oz. They love Willy Wonka. Can you imagine going back to these games and making sculpted toppers with those characters and figures on top of the machine? I bet you people would pay eight, $900 for those toppers. And that's something that Jersey Jack should look into because I think it would be a huge revenue stream for them. And then the best part about it is they don't break, you know? Right. Uh, and I mean that like across all pinball, you know, you put them on there and they're, they're always good to go. Jack, I think Jack could have sold the Pirates of the Caribbean topper. I'm not even lying when I say this. He could have sold that for $1,000 and every LE person would have bought one. I agree. And he should sell them. And he should go back and he should get the Wizard of Oz uh, a right to do like a sculpted topper. And he should do the same thing for Wonka. And I guarantee you he would be selling them as fast as he can make them. And they're easy to make because once you have a mold, you can make as many as you want. So why are they doing these just like cheap piece of plexi? Like the Pirates of the Caribbean LE topper is is embarrassingly bad. Like no effort whatsoever put into it. You know, I think on, on Jersey Jack's case is they put so much effort into all the things I'm complaining mostly about Stern not doing that sometimes you overlook the obvious, you know, because right. you're so wrapped up in like when you're trying to create parts of the Caribbean, you're trying to get that boat to work, for example, right? I'm sure that wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. Right. And you're so focused in on that that you, you know, that you forget about like, wouldn't it be cool if we had sculpted, uh, you know, uh, you know, pirate characters and so on and so forth. And um, I don't know. I think that's there, what you think. I, I've said it before. There should just be a topper division within every pinball company. And I think the topper division can actually drive significant revenue if you had a little team of people working on each one for each game. Okay. What is next on your list? Make, too. They'd be cheap to make. What's, what's next on your list? Uh, this is like really annoys the hell out of me uh, on Stern Games. And I'm going to put two together. One, when you lift up your game, in a stern le or stern anything right number one you have to take the balls out because they won't put in a five cent flap like they have in a jersey jack game so the balls don't fly out why don't they have that on all games 
but not to mention LEs. Maybe you could explain. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That should be in. That's that's lazy that that is not part of all modern pinball machines. So we agree there. I guess we could also, is the next one the railing system in the game so the, the play field doesn't fly out of the cabinet? And Well, I've had two different LEs from Stern where they the game has literally fallen into the cabinet. Right. Now, okay. that, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. And they've put the cheapest rail system I've ever seen on there. It's not even close to what they did in the 90s. But clearly, Jersey Jack has the best one. The games can't fall in. And if you take the play field off for any reason, you can set it on the ground. You cannot do that with a Stern. But right. why? You're right. charging $10,000 and you can't make it so that you could set your play field on the ground or put a rail system I mean, that's just as mind boggling. Right. Okay. Well, I, I agree. I agree. Regardless of Ellie or not, I think that should be implemented into all games, uh, $6,000 and above. Okay. What else is on your list? The next one we kind of already talked about is just aprons in general. And I really hate the price cards. On an Ellie, you're buying a collector game, you should get full color, uh, beautiful artwork to stick in those slots. And in case you are going to put it on route, you can get the other ones. But for ten thousand or more dollars, you should be able to get that. Yeah, and I also think for the LEs, they should really look at the apron as as artwork. And if you want, why not just do the rule cards as maybe magnetized? You ever see when people make like new apron artwork and it's magnetized? Like it'd be really yeah. easy to just do that for operators. But if you're not operating, I think that apron is is a a great piece of real estate for some amazing artwork to be put into a game. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think would be great is if pinball games had like a, a story modes or options, like, you know, you do on a video game. So if it's a, you could put it in home uh, mode and then you can continue games. So you could lose and you can continue from where you left off. All right. Well, know, because- let, let's do this. So I want to make sure these are things that, LEs should have versus because now we're we're bleeding into just all pinball should have stuff like that. So I want to make sure we stay focused on what should be in a nine thousand plus game. Um, I okay. think that's I think that's all pinball should have that. What what else is on your list of of like this well, should be in the high end version? Well, like uh, for example, like when you talk about like it's like Stern might put in an extra like ramp that lifts up and then you know whatever. Why not put extra stuff in the code? For example, in the Star Wars game, you have like you can avoid asteroids with the flippers. It's like a video mode. Uh, wouldn't that have been cool to have the same thing in Jurassic Park where you shoot down like a bunch of velociraptors and you could put those like extra little uh, uh, things in the game, I think. Uh, and I think the game would be a lot more fun. I, I 100% agree with you if what you're saying, and I think you're saying this, that Ellie Machines should have exclusive modes and gameplay experiences. I'm paying yeah. more. For example, and I'm going to give you a prime example. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I, I have a prime example for you. So I walked up to Stern's booth one time at IAPA, and I said, you know, uh, you know, I bought Aerosmith, and I said, the funniest thing is their greatest song ever doesn't include, uh, isn't included on the game. You know, and they're like, I said, so why wasn't that song uh, on the game? And they said, well, because they wanted one hundred and fifty dollars extra per game. Then why didn't you put it on an L.E.? If you're charging ten thousand dollars, add the freaking extra Aerosmith song. 
Okay. Right. For it's $150 a game, then you're doing 150 times 500. And then you're saying, hey, if you pay 10,000, you get the greatest Aerosmith song that they, I mean, look at Ranker. It's ranked number one. I, Larry, Larry, we've talked about this Aerosmith song before. I'm going to, you're, you're now forbidden from talking about that song <laughs> up. It, yeah, on every podcast. I, I, no one even bought Aerosmith the game. So let's just leave that. What, what next? Well, I think all LEs obviously should have an upper play field or a lower play field. And when you look at Jurassic Park, it doesn't have one. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with that. I I think the designer, you can't, I don't think you can have a designer say, hey, you got to put in an upper or lower play field. I think there should be an upper or lower play field because it makes sense depending on the theme of the game. And and look, I would argue Jurassic Park has has a damn t-rex up in the you know i'd rather have that t-rex which is awesome and functions incredibly well versus like the crappy upper play field in game of thrones right you know so i just think you go by i think you just you design it according to the theme if it warrants it great if not fine like i'm okay with that uh you know like like it's like the lower play field on the monsters adds nothing it looks cool one of the most unsatisfying things to actually flip well, I think you're going to agree with this one. No plastic art, period. Okay? So, like, you take Monsters and uh, the there's a plastic grandpa. Okay? But then Mod Couple makes a, you know, a 3D printed uh, uh, grandpa sitting in an electric chair. Why do you have plastic, you know, like art on the game anywhere if you pay $10,000? Yeah. I mean, it. look, it's... I, I think there are definitely areas of a game where they cheap out and they should have sculpts or molds in, in places of the game. And, and I do agree with that. We should get them. But, you know, go look at Magic Girl, the most beautiful pinball ever. And most of the art is on plastic, but it's it's layered so nicely that it doesn't feel cheap. Um, but I, I do agree that there should be more, you know, sculpts in a game um, for what we pay. Because, I mean, look at Spooky. Look at all the sculpting you get in Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Way more sculpting in that game than you get even in a $9,000 Stern game. My next thing is, uh, and you're going to like these next few. Uh, well, this one, maybe it's being petty, but I'd like to see themed flashers, Okay. Um, like in for Batman 66, I think was my couple made those, uh, the things that replace it. It makes it look like the siren from the, uh, from the back, back car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why do we have these like one 15 cent plastic, you know, they, they don't help the theming. Okay. And then like for Pirates of the Caribbean, my couple made, you know, like a TNT barrel or something or whiskey, but rum barrel that went over it. I mean, why can't you have theme flashers? Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that'd be nice. Again, not a deal break. Not a deal breaker for me. I'll tell you what. This one here. This goes to show like how much I have to put into the thinking of this. Why in the world, for spending ten thousand dollars, don't you get a keychain? <laughs> I think you you get. Don't you on? Don't you get the no. keychain plastic? No. You for Jurassic Park, you did not get a keychain. Okay. You didn't, but whenever you buy, like for example, I get keychains for anything I buy from Chicago Gaming. You get a keychain, but whenever I buy something from Stern, I don't get a keychain. I got okay? a keychain in my Batman, and so maybe it's. But see, that's another point that you know where they're inconsistent. Okay, so they put something around the lock bar button, then they don't. I mean, there's got to be right. some consistency for well, ten thousand 
dollars, you should get a keychain. Yeah, I mean, again, that's I think that's as I think that's as minuscule and trivial when it comes to whether or not you're going to go in on a nine thousand dollar game. But what what else you got? Anything else big? Any big ticket items? Uh, Invisiglass. Why isn't Invisiglass on every ten thousand dollars? It is. It, it's not on Stearns. Yeah, it is. You you get you get it. You get the you get the non reflective with the LEs. Uh, it doesn't look like it. I'm pretty uh, sure you do. Well, that's my uh, entire list. Okay, let me I let do... me throw let me throw a few others out there for you. But I have a I have a great idea for you though. No, too. no, 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 no. You're not going to go off track because. <laughs> no, it's about stern and vaults. What I'd like to see in a vault. Well, that's not what we're talking about on this on this podcast. So we're gonna we're gonna keep it focused because here's here's a few other things I think we should get in every LE um, that's nine thousand or above. I do think there should be unique playfield artwork. I don't think the artwork on the playfield should look the same as the premium or the pro. And I think I think you know that's what I would like to see unique playfield artwork. I would also like for there to be an extended warranty period on the more expensive pins. Yeah, those are good points. I didn't think of those two. So if I'm buying a $9,000 pin or a $12,000 pin, I want like a two-year head-to-toe coverage on this thing uh, that just lets me know you have my back. I mean, I saw this week, and I'd have to confirm this, that Stern is now no longer going to send people fully populated playfields as a solution if their playfields have issues. I don't want to spend nine thousand dollars and 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 not, you know, get a replacement if my playfield's defective. Uh, other things, Larry, I would like to see. You know, I I I I would like to see more customization. And if you're only making two hundred and fifty, and you know who your buyers are, and you have Elvira in the studio, in the booth. And you're you have Lyman coding this game over two years. I would love to see there be more custom callouts, and and I mean that because it's just so much fun when you own a game that has just a little bit of a customization for you, uh, and especially when it's coded that way, it it really makes you never want to get rid of the pin. Well, you're right. And by the way, going back to Elvira, that game was ninety two, ninety five hundred. Elvira. She makes a living signing autographs. She could have signed all 500 uh, of the LEs. I mean, come on. That should have been a no-brainer. She's making money every time the game sells. She should have signed every one. Right. Well, I mean, they gave you a piece of couch on a, a piece of paper. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. All right. Well, so I guess that concludes our things we'd like to see in limited edition machines. Um, Larry, we have a few more minutes. Let's talk i mean i'm going to give you one more topic you can talk about that or we can talk about iapa and if you think iapa is a show that manufacturers need to be at and why they need to be there well uh uh two things as first off iapa is the biggest amusement show in the world okay um it's almost a million square feet um it's gotten so big it's even outgrown the orlando convention center which is one of the biggest in the world and so now they set up tents outside and then they take a huge section of the parking lot and they set stuff up out there it's well over a million square feet it attracts 25 to thirty thousand people anybody who loves pinball would love iapa because all the games are on free play every game you could imagine 
uh, you could there's rides you can ride. Everybody who sells pizza to roller coasters and everything between is there. But I did uh, look for you, and there's five manufacturers of pinball going, that are going to be at IAPA. And for the first time ever, American Pinball is going to be there. Right. I wonder if they're going to bring their redemption game they've been working on. It would it seem to make sense to bring that. Well, I can tell you that any manufacturer, um, you know, if they're trying to get a game done, they want to get it done, you know, uh, before IAPA or for IAPA. So last year, Stern brought Beatles to IAPA, didn't even have code on it. You know, they just kind of sort of turned it on and they supposedly put the code on that night. Um, so you, if you have a new game, you definitely want to get it uh, because, see, here's the thing. The bowling industry has their own trade show. The coin op industry has their own trade show, right? And they're all very small. Only this show has everybody all in one spot. Right. And the show is next week. Uh, I don't know when you're airing this podcast, but yeah, you it'll, go to it'll IAPA, air tomorrow morning, IAPA. probably. But I, but do you think for IAPA though, isn't that more for it's for operators around the world to figure out what to put on location, right? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's any it's like every theme park in the world goes to it, um, and then everybody who runs any kind of amusement operation will be there. Okay. Um, even like a lot of, uh, for example, I met movie studio people there i met like people who own uh sports franchises like the milwaukee bucks because they have these new arenas they try to do other things so yeah i mean absolutely you know jersey jack has a big presence there stern has a big booth american pinball chicago gaming has a really nice booth there um and uh so yeah i mean if uh if there's any going to be anything new revealed okay i'm um, hopefully it will be revealed um, right there. You know what the great thing about IAPA is? It's, is that Florida uh, pinball show is usually right before it, during it, or right after. So I think this year it comes right after. So the Jersey Jacks, the Sterns, they just stay behind, right? And they go to that thing. Right. It doesn't seem like Stern is is going to reveal their next cornerstone as early as IAPA. I think we're going to maybe have to wait to December for that. Uh, so it doesn't seem like the show itself will have a big reveal take place, uh, but it sounds like everyone will bring what they have available right now to order. So you'll see Jack with Wonka and you'll see Chicago Gaming with Medieval Madness and Monster Bash and all that jazz. Yeah, and you never know. I mean, you, you won't know till you get there, but when I'm sitting in my booth, I'll, I'll tell you, you'll be the first to know. Right. <laughs> and I, I'll send you some pictures. All right, Larry, I'm going to give you one more topic to quickly discuss, so, and then I'm going to uh, let you go. Okay, on Stern, okay, Yep. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to buy a vault, um, you know, a game, a specifically, you know, like Tron or something of this nature, or even Game of Thrones. I would love to see Stern switch these games to the new Spike system, right, and put a color screen, go back, get the rights to show clips and so on and so forth, and put a color screen in it opposed to the dot matrix that they should have replaced a long time ago. I think if Stern does vaults, they should do them only as LEs, and that's why I think it's relevant to this topic, and they should change them over with full size. So they don't have to change the game, just change what you see on the screen. I think that would be a huge improvement. Right. Well, I mean, I, you like to yeah, game I mean, that's not, that, that's, that's not a new wish. We've been the last since they went to the LCD. The room, you know, people have been speculating whether or not they could. Uh, a lot of work has to be done to switch over from the, from the SAM system to the to the Spike, and I think that 
I don't know if they they want to invest the time to do that. The other issue is they have to renegotiate a lot of the rights. Here's what I think I would love to see in pinball, because I do agree that would be great. But I, what I also think would be awesome is if pinball companies would actually open up the source code of their games so that the community could go in and put in all of the clips from the movies with the actors and just release those codes through the fan community. You know, how awesome would it be if people could go in and make a Pirates of the Caribbean using the clips from the movie and just drop those in throughout the game? Same with like Lord of the Rings. If you vaulted it, you don't have to redo the code. Just instead of having it be the DMD graphics, you show the movie clip from those scenes when those scenes are happening. It'd be easy to do, they, but they'll never get the rights. You'd have to well, you open know, it up for the fans to do it versus like going to New Line Cinema and whatnot. Well, you know what's interesting about Game of Thrones and another game like Spider-Man is they are using clips from the movie. And whenever you colorize them, uh, they actually look terrible, okay? Uh, I always tell people don't put color screens on movie on games like Game of Thrones because they're showing uh, TV clips and it looks faded out. So in Game of Thrones, they are using clips from the TV show. Right. And same with Spider-Man. So I don't know if you could go back, vault those, and use those clips because you already got permission to do so in the first place. But I would, uh, I would go back and buy those games if it had clips from the films. Personally, with all the games coming out, I, I just think we're looking forward. I, I don't think we're looking back. And, and Stern has made some great games. Everyone has made some great games, but it just bores me to death when these manufacturers keep looking backwards when we should, we should, there's so much new stuff. I mean, how many remakes of Wizard of Oz do we need or this or that? Like, let's focus on making new stuff. Um, if, look, if you want to make an all new Tron game, how awesome would it be to make an all new Lord of the Rings game? That's the other part, right? Why does it always have to be a remake? Why can't we just reimagine or, or a completely new Lord of the Rings pinball machine based on the first three movies with all the new technologies, all the new knowledge and understanding of, of innovation and, and magic that can go into a pinball game. Why not just make another one? I mean, if I were Jack, I would have got the license for the first three movies again versus making the Hobbit. Well, I think you'd like to see uh, back to the future, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody would. I mean, back to the future, Goonies, you know, I think all the 80s nostalgia stuff would play well. Stranger Things, you know, we keep hearing everyone say Stranger Things. I mean, I don't, I mean, where there's smoke, maybe there's fire. Maybe that's Brian Eddie's game. I wouldn't wouldn't do Stranger Things because I I think sometimes things are fads and they wear out. And, um, you know, I stopped watching Stranger Things after the second season because it was just so boring. Uh, I'd rather see them do something that is had the test of time. Okay, and that is, you know, it's going to stand on its own. And plus, uh, Stranger Things, I don't know that it fits in that wheelhouse of the demographic of who actually is buying pinball games. You know, the 40 to 60 year olds. I'd rather see Goonies or something or, you know, I, I tell you, uh, Beetlejuice, I think would have been a great one. I would have been. I, mean, the I, I think these all are strong themes. I think Stranger Things actually does have a pretty wide demo, and you should watch season three because it's amazing. Season two is a little like, eh, we've seen this before, but season three got it back on track. Um, but, you know, look, I also don't want pinball to only be a nostalgia play. If you rem- like all throughout the 90s, 
we got so many pinball machines that were based on the current hot movies and TV shows and not not as much anymore. Not as much. It's become more expensive to do that. Uh, but like, I would happily love a Ghostbusters and I would happily love a John Wick, you know, all within the same year. Yeah, I'd love to see Ghostbusters with the movie clips. But, you know, there's also a lot of bands out there that haven't been touched, like Nirvana. That should be one you could easily get because the rights were sold to a company that all they do is license. So I don't know why there hasn't been a Nirvana game. Um, but there's a lot of bands. I'd love to see a Beastie Boys game. I'd love to see a Michael Jackson game. Uh, there's a lot of music pins that are still waiting to be done. Queen, I'd love to see that yeah, one. The, the, but, you know. It's really expensive, though, the license, that the hit songs for the games, and that that's always the challenge. I mean... Hey, and that's, that's where you come in with an LE. You pay more, you get more. I agree, I agree. Well, Larry, look, I want to thank you for taking the time to go down your list of things that should be in LEs and some additional things that should just be standard in pinball. Any final words for the listeners of the show? Well, uh, I know a lot, of, a lot of pinball people probably will not be at iapa but if anything uh you know makes a splash there tune in to canada because i will forward them to his personal cell phone and i will make sure he gets them so he can reveal whatever happens at iapa you'll find out about it right away all right cool and i'll upload those to facebook if i get anything um well larry thank you so much yeah thank you for taking the time and we'll talk to you soon hey no problem man you take it easy all right later Everybody needs to